This is Heather, and you're listening to Let's Go There. Welcome back, guys. For those of you joining me for the first time, I want to give you a little background about what this podcast is all about. I started this podcast because I felt like God wanted me to make some room for people to have hard conversations about different things that they have gone through or are currently going through but don't typically talk about. It can be very lonely to feel like you're the only one going through something. And let me tell you, there is an enemy out there trying to isolate us, make us feel like we're alone, and he wants us to feel like we're the only one so he can wear us down, lie to us, and prevent us from seeking the peace and hope and comfort that our God is ready to offer us if we just reach out our hand and take it. I don't want the devil to have this kind of power over my life or anyone else's either. This season, we've been talking about something that affects a lot of women. One in eight couples struggle to get pregnant. One in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. And 33% of Americans have turned to fertility treatments or know someone who has. That's a lot of people, y'all. But for some reason, we really don't hear people talking about it. So today, we're going to do it. We're going to go there. I'm excited about this week's episode because I get to talk to my friend Kristen. We discuss her struggle with infertility and an unexpected complication that led to her giving birth at 28 weeks. Y'all, that's only a little over halfway through a pregnancy. My family love Kristen, her husband Rusty, and their daughter Lauren, and I'm sure you'll love them too. So let's listen in. Before we get started, I just wanted to thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. If you want to just start out by telling me a little bit about yourself, your name, family. Uh, I'm Kristen Bates. Uh, I am almost 40 years old at this point. I grew up uh, in a family of three girls. Been married for, gosh, almost 16 years now. That's <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It's a long time. I am a school counselor at an elementary school. I was a teacher for several years before that. Um, and I'm currently the volleyball coach at Ardmore High School. And I have an 11-year-old daughter, Lauren, and she keeps us plenty busy. (laughs) Tell me about your pregnancy with Lauren. So probably a year after we got married, we decided that we wanted to have a family. So um, about a year into the journey of trying to have Lauren, you know, still nothing had happened. And so I went to uh, my doctor. And so she started at me on the typical, you know, Clomid, mm-hmm. let's try that kind of route, see how that goes. Nothing still from that increased a time or two, you know, the dosage and still nothing. So she sent me on to a fertility specialist. And so, you know, he thought, you know, after doing tests and stuff, he really couldn't pinpoint a whole lot of specifics. Um, There were a few things he thought here and there he might could adjust and fix. So he decided that IUIs were the route to go for us. And so I'm lucky my insurance would pay for eight in a lifetime. So that was not anything that we had to pay out of pocket, which was huge. So we had to go, we did two IUI cycles. And on the second one, we found out we were pregnant with Lauren. Wow. So tell me what the IUI cycle is. So basically the male goes in and gives his sample and then they clean and wash the sperm, Mm -hmm. take only the good ones, kick out the bad, and then they bypass the cervix and basically dump them into the uterus and hope that something attaches. Gotcha, gotcha. 
I don't know how specific you want. No, you're good. You can get that out if you want to. <laughs> Keep it. Yeah. Maybe PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> you said it worked on the second cycle. Yes. Were there any indications that there were any issues from the beginning or how did that go? Yeah. So I had really no complications at all with my pregnancy. I can just remember, you know, every time, you know, it got ready for me to have a cycle, um, I always had these headaches and I just felt really bad. And so I can remember on the second one thinking, man, I don't have a headache today. I feel pretty good. And so that was the first indication that I could possibly be pregnant. And then, of course, I took a test and I was. Mm -hmm. And then my pregnancy, for the most part, was pretty basic. I had slight nausea, but I never threw up. I never had morning sickness. It was pretty easy in, in that matter. About 14 weeks in, I found out I had placenta previa. Um, just where the placenta turns or twists or mm -hmm. drops, but it takes care of itself. So other than that, there really were no complications right. uh, up until later in the pregnancy. Gotcha. So what happened later? So at the 28-week appointment that day, it, it's so funny when we go back and think about that day because another couple from our church had had a baby and we were supposed to, Rusty was with me, and we were supposed to go to our appointment. We thought, I told him, I said, I'll be in and out. He stayed in the lobby. I said, they'll do blood work. Right. That's it. You know, it's just simple. We'll go pick up Olive Garden. That's what we were supposed to pick up. Take it to them. We'll still make it to church on time. It was a Wednesday. And so he was sitting in the lobby. And so as they took me back, I had gained like up on my previous appointments, I'd only gained like a pound or two. Right. Each time. Well, this one, I had gained nine pounds. Wow. And so at first when she weighed me, she was like, oh, you've only gained like a pound or two. And I said, you might want to recheck it because, I mean, I, I just don't feel like that's right. And so she was like, oh, no, girl, you've, you've gained nine <laughs> pounds. Well, then I did the urine sample and they found protein in my urine. And then they hooked me up to the monitor and they kept getting a dip in the baby's heart rate. Uh -huh. And so they put me on the monitor for about 30 minutes. And of course, hindsight, you know, I've got Rusty out there in the right. lobby. He's just chilling, <laughs> not knowing, you know. The doctor came in and she said, this baby's earned you a 24-hour trip to the hospital. Let's just monitor, make sure everything's fine. You've got three things going on. Mm -hmm. You you know, the, the weight gain, the protein in your urine, the dips in her heart rate. We just need to make sure that all those things are okay. Mm -hmm. So I can remember walking out to the lobby and I just looked at Rusty and I said, we're walking to the hospital. I'll explain as we go. You know, and he just <laughs> had that look of terror, like what in the world is right. going on? So they monitored me for 24 hours, and I'm so thankful that when we got there, the nurse that was on shift was going off shift mm -hmm. because she thought it was a little too uh, premature for the doctor to send me over. And she mm -hmm. said, I'm sure we're going to find nothing, and there's no reason for you to be here. But she, luckily, she went off shift, mm -hmm. and a very caring and loving and kind nurse came in. And so after about 12 hours, they realized that I had something called HELP syndrome. It's H-E-L-L-P. And so it affects the liver of the mom and the baby. And so it can cause death in both. Wow. And so the only way to cure it is to take the baby. Mm -hmm. So had they not taken her, it could have killed us both. So at 28 weeks and three days, they decided they were going to take her. And so um, all of that, we found out all that on a Thursday. And the plan was to do a C-section Friday at 9 a.m. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know, I went through the 
steroid shots, which is probably the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. That one hurts. But they had to, they gave me two in just a several hour time span just so that they could try to build up her lungs a little bit. But the plan was for 9 a.m. on Friday. They woke me up about 5.30 and said they uh, her heart rate had dropped again. Mm-hmm. And so they came in and tried to move me around and, and figure it all out. And she said, no, we got to go now. Wow. And so they wheeled us off to the OR, and we had her at 6.01 a.m. That is crazy. What was going on through your mind as uh, you were, like, finding all of this out so quickly? I think it was just... I don't know, such shock, like, you know, you're, you were woken up smack in the middle of the night. So Mm -hmm. I don't think we had a lot of time to think. I just remember I wanted my contacts in because I did not want pictures of myself with my glasses on. I know that sounds (laughs) stupid, but that is, that's how I felt because I hated the way I looked in my glasses. And then I can remember, you know, Rusty was calling, you know, calling people, letting Mm -hmm. them know real quick. And the nurse was like, we've got to go. Like, we've got to go now. And he was like, what do I do? And I said, put your shoes on. (laughs) Like, he didn't even have his shoes on. And we were trying to get ready to walk down the hall. So, I mean, it's just, you don't have time to think, you know. And it's scary. And then in the OR, my doctor did tell me the night before. She said, if something happens, I will come up here and deliver this baby. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be the on-call doctor. Mm -hmm. And so I got in the... OR and of course the way they're having to prep me and everything Rusty couldn't be in there with me until they got everything prepped right so they did an epidural and it didn't take fast enough and I remember them hitting me on the leg and I was like no I can still feel that yeah and so they decided that they were gonna have to put me all the way under in order to deliver and I can just remember their crying you know just because nobody was there with me you know I'm all by myself I'm not gonna be awake to see what's going on and Rusty's in another room. I can't talk to anybody. You know, that's that's a pretty lonely feeling. But I can remember my doctor, who was great. She got tissue and just started rubbing my eyes. And she mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to take care of this baby. I'm going to take care of you. It's going to be okay. So how big was Lauren when she was born? She weighed 2 pounds, 12 ounces, and was 15 inches long. Wow. So most babies are typically like 7-ish correct. pounds. Yeah. So, you know, that... We would go in the NICU and Rusty would take off his wedding band and put it on her arm and it would slide all the way up to her shoulder. Oh my goodness. And you could even spin it around her shoulder um, and it wouldn't even touch her little skinny arm. It's just, and when you look at pictures, pictures don't do it justice. You You can't imagine, you know, how, how tiny she really was. Did you... I mean, I know during that time, you probably didn't have time to think about it. But afterwards, did you mourn not being able to carry her full term? I I thought several times, you know, just that anticipation of, oh, I woke up in the middle of the night and, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, it's time to go to the hospital. I did wish that I could have had that experience for sure. Right. So after she was born, I'm sure y'all stayed for... What, we stayed for about a week. A week. They let us stay a week. Um, my insurance would pay that much just because having the C-section mm-hmm. and in the medical condition, they did allow us to stay for seven days. So, so after she was delivered, did your medical condition? You said helps, right? Yes. Did helps go away? It does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it once you deliver, it pretty much cures itself. Wow. And so you stay in there for a week, and then you had to leave her there. Mm-hmm. What was that like? It, it was tough. You know, there's. You know, the part of you that is so glad you're finally going home to right. your own bed where you can sleep. And then you realize that she's in a whole different place where you really can't take care of her. And you, you're you not the one monitoring her. Mm-hmm. You're not the one feeding her. You're not the one meeting her needs. And that's tough. 
when you when you leave that and you know she's in a good place your head knows that's where she needs right. to be but your heart wants her at home with you that's mm-hmm. tough so what what got you through that yeah I mean faith obviously I our NICU journey was hard, but it was easy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, I never worried that she wouldn't come home. I ne- I always had peace that God was going to take care of her, mm-hmm. God was going to provide for her, and God had her exactly where she needed to be. I, I never felt like she was not going to come home. Mm-hmm. And so that was definitely helpful. And, and I knew, you know, those NICU nurses, they are godsends and I would call all day and they would tell me all the things I needed to know and we would go and check on her every day. And it's hard. It's emotionally hard. It's physically hard. You're trying to heal yourself. Right. But then, you know, make sure that she's okay at the same time. So it's a tough time. And Rusty was still working his regular hours. So he would go to, to work every day. And then as soon as he got home, we would fly over in the NICU and spend as much time as we could. But, you know, they have certain hours where you can't mm-hmm. be in there. So it was hard, too, to make sure we were there in enough time to spend time with her before they went to the quiet hours. Mm-hmm. I always felt like she was good and taken care of and she was going to come home. And mm-hmm. that, you know, faith in God is obviously what got us to that point. Were there any complications with her after birth that, I mean, I know being preemie, they have to yep. watch for certain things, yep. but were there anything, any like major scares? There was one time she kept getting like her poops were sticky and almost like tar. Um, and so all they would ever say was it was a gut problem. Hmm. And so there was about a day, two days there where they pulled her off of feedings. They were really concerned about her. They did a lot of tests on her. They were drawing blood and, and I couldn't, you know, her arms were so tiny, so tiny. And I can remember Rusty and I were by her bedside and, you know, they said, mom, are you okay? We're going to do this. Do you want to stay or do you go? Well, of course I wanted to stay. That's my baby. Yeah. But then I it overcame me and, and I could not stand in there and watch it. And we stayed there as long as we could. And then I can remember walking out that day and there was a church across the road. And at a certain time every night, they played chimes mm-hmm. to hymnals. And at that day when things were so bad and they were so worried about her, I walked out and the chime song they were playing was It Is Well With My Soul. And so, you know, I think God always brought back those reminders. Mm -hmm. Things are going to be okay. You know, it may seem kind of cloudy now, but in the end, it's going to be okay. Good or bad, tell me about the parts that most people wouldn't know going into a situation like that. Because, I mean, a lot of people don't know what that's like. Right. So the NICU is one of the most wonderfully kept secrets, you know, probably there ever was. It's really a shame that people who don't have a NICU baby mm-hmm. can't ever see what that really looks like. It is a place of happiness and sadness all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, some days we'd walk in there and there'd be a baby because they have these little stations. And that's where, you know, Lauren's little station was her little station until she would progress up. And then mm-hmm. she'd go to a new little station. And so some days you'd walk in and there would be a baby at this one station and then next day there wouldn't be a baby. Mm-hmm. And you knew it was beca- not because that baby had progressed up, but because that baby right. had not made it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the NICU was very, um, they had very strict rules. And so only two visitors were allowed with the baby at a time. 
And so you'd walk past a baby's bedside and there would be seven or eight people there. Mm-hmm. And you knew yeah. that they had allowed the family to come in to say their goodbyes. And then you'd walk by the next day and that mm-hmm. baby wasn't there. I can't even imagine so that. So it's tough. And it's tough when you know that your baby could be in that same situation. And there's a lot of bells and a lot of dinging. Mm-hmm. And I, I can remember <laughs> the first day we went back to the NICU after we had, well, actually it's the day we went home. We went home, we put our stuff up and we came back that night. Mm-hmm. And Rusty had a friend whose dad was in the hospital as well, had a, had had a heart attack. And so he came and got me set up and I was sitting by Lauren's bedside and he said, I'm going to go check on Bill. And so he rode across to Maine and I can remember just watching her and her alarm dinging and it kept dinging and kept dinging and it looked like her heart rate was dropping and I was just panicking and this nurse came over and she said, baby, is she breathing? I said, well, I think so. Yeah. And she said, look at her chest. Is she breathing? Because, you know, they don't wear anything mm-hmm. until they're four pounds. And um, I said, her chest is going up and down. She said, then she's fine. She said, do not listen to that alarm. You watch her body. Mm. And so it, it's really a lonely place because you're sitting there. It's dark, which is what the babies need. You know, they try right. to make it as close to the mom's belly, mm-hmm. the, the womb, as they can. And so it's really quiet, and the nurses, they're busy. And so it's its a hard place to be some days. Um, and it's a sad place to be some days. But at the same time, it's where there's hope, because I knew mm-hmm. there was hope in her getting better in that NICU. Tell me about how your faith played a role in this process. I can see God's hand in, in everything along the way, from the infertility to the, the delivery mm-hmm. to her NICU stay. And I know that God placed people in our paths all throughout that journey. You know, when I was going through infertility, you feel like you're the only person in the world right. who's going through that. And so there was a coworker that was placed in front of me who had kind of gone through the same journey that I had gone through. And so she helped me a lot. My sister had gone through a little bit of that journey. So she helped me a lot. And then you get to the NICU and you're just like, I don't know anybody who's ever been here. Mm-hmm. And so you just start to meet people and talk to people. And then one of the, the moms that her son ended up being right beside Lauren at some point. Her and I still talk. So you develop friendships, and and I have no doubt that God placed those people along our path to help us. But like I said, God just gave us a peace Mm -hmm. the whole time through our NICU stay where we didn't waver in our faith. We didn't feel like He was ever going to take her from us or you know, make it to where it was a harder journey than it already was. We just had complete faith that God was in control and that he had her mm-hmm. and that she was where she needed to be. What do you think the hardest part of, you know, starting with infertility all the way through having a premature baby that you couldn't take home? What do you think was the hardest part? I almost feel like the infertility is the hardest. And I, I always say, and I, I know every person feels like, what their profession can sometimes make things harder on them. Mm -hmm. But being in the education world, it is so hard to go to work every day and teach children whose parents really could care less Mm -hmm. about what they're doing. And and at times you question God and say, why in the world would you allow them to have a child Mm -hmm. and not me? Why are they having four or five kids and I can't even have one? Mm -hmm. I I think that process was probably the harder process for me. And it's because 
there's not shame in infertility, but it's the thing that nobody talks about. Right. So it's kind of that thing that you're just carrying along by yourself that you don't want the whole world to know you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just the thing that you kind of keep quiet and kind of keep to yourself and you don't feel like you can talk to everybody about it because if your best friend is lucky enough to have a baby, she doesn't understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as we went through the infertility process, I can remember just people walking up. So when's it going to be your turn? When are you going to have a baby? That is the worst. That is the worst. You You just want so bad just to let them know exactly how you're feeling, but you just smile and grin Mm -hmm. and go on. So I I think the infertility process was by far the hardest process. And I think that feeling of being alone and not being able to say anything to anybody or have the support from people is really why I wanted to do this podcast because I know how that felt. Right. I didn't have anybody. Like I didn't know anybody, but after I miscarried, I had people step in and like tell me their story and it was just a comfort. Right. And so I think that that's important. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm sure you felt the same way yeah. with, you know, people that you knew that came alongside and said, you know, hey, I've been through that too. Right. I know how it feels. It's right. just nice to have somebody there. Absolutely. How have you seen your faith grow because of all of this? Uh, I think the biggest thing, I, you know, I get to see a miracle every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I have seen God's hand on Lauren from the time she was born till now. And how old is she now? She is 11 years old now. And, you know, she is just perfectly happy and healthy. And when um, two years after kids go through the NICU, they have a NICU reunion mm-hmm. where everybody comes back. And a lot of times, or in, in our case, we walked into that room and looked at those babies, and they looked like preemies. They have that preemie look. They have that skinny skeleton. Mm-hmm. And Lauren never really had that. And so the fact that, you know, I can look at her and see how perfectly healthy and happy she is, that's a miracle every day. And mm-hmm. that's something that I get to see every day. And so I think, you know, God only grew our faith stronger through the infertility and mm-hmm. the NICU and, you know, the things that come after it. Because even after she came home, they wanted us in isolation for about six to eight weeks. Wow. They didn't want a whole lot of people coming in and out of the house, you know, because of her immune system. So it definitely helped our marriage. Mm-hmm. And then it, it just grew our faith as well. It's amazing. So tell me about how God has used you and Rusty to help other people after going through all that. So one day we were sitting at our bedside and Rusty's kind of a dreamer <laughs> and I'm kind of not. I, I, I call myself a realist. I don't think I'm a pessimist, but I'm a realist. I just like to keep things real. And he was like, we, we could so do something and help raise money for the NICU. And in my head, I'm like, I mean, what are we going to do? <laughs> what can we do to help? And he was like, at the time, he was the athletic director um, at our high school. And he said, we could do some kind of ball game or something and raise money. And so I just kind of let him throw around ideas because that's the way we roll. Um, I let him dream and (laughs) I'm there to keep it real. But he said, we could do like a football game and raise some money. And so I just started kind of going along with it. And he was like, we could call it something. What could we call it? If it's a football game, it could be playing for preemies. And I was like, okay, maybe so, you know. And so... She was born in March, um, came home in April, the end of April. And so he started preparing for the next football season, the next fall for us to have our first playing for preemies game. So when we first had our very first game, it was, um, Lauren was about six months old and there is, um, 
a foundation, the Melissa George Neonatal Foundation, mm-hmm. they raise money for the NICU. And so we had Amy George and Chris George, who were their founders, to come to that pep rally that day. So the kids all come together at the high school. They do a pep rally. We sell shirts. And so we ended up making, you know, three, four thousand dollars. Wow. And we were like, wow, that's not bad. You mm-hmm. know, small little community. Everybody rallied. That pep rally was one of those things that I wish everybody could have seen. Cause mm-hmm. as soon as Amy starts telling the story of their own NICU story, they had twins, one survived, one did not. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as she starts telling the story, these high schoolers who were so loud and rambunctious just go silent. And they are captivated by the fact that they've walked that journey They've had a child who's not made it, and here's Lauren, and they all know Lauren because Rusty's around, and and they see her, and and here's Lauren who could have been in that same role. And so they really rallied behind Rusty. It's a great community, and so they rallied behind him in this uh, playing for Premies game, and it was a huge success. And so now we've gone, let's see, this year will be the 12th annual, I believe. Wow. The 12th annual Playing for Premies football game. So the crazy thing is, you know, once you start this fertility journey or the and then the NICU journey, you find out so many people who have the same story. Mm-hmm. So my very best friend from high school walked the same infertility journey I walked. She had some miscarriages along the way. And then her baby was born when she was 25 weeks pregnant, wow. weighing one pound, seven ounces. It's <laughs> you had to say it's cool because, you know, it's not a good situation. But it, it was neat that I was able to walk with walk her with through her, that yeah. when I had already walked that journey. So as their baby, Emma Kate, was little, I remember being over their house one night and they just started dreaming too. And Adam said, what if we did a golf tournament? And Rusty was like, that's a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. So this past, about two weeks ago, we had the fifth annual plan for Premies Golf Tournament. Mm-hmm. The plan is just to continue doing this year by year as long as we can. And just trying to help back and give back to the NICU who did so much for our own babies. Mm-hmm. And so we are trying to expand also to a 5K run kind of in fun. the fall. So, you know, getting three events and just trying to to make it into a little more than than we've been able to do. But so we've done our 501c3 stuff. Mm -hmm. We are a nonprofit organization. And so when we do those events, we turn around and give all the money back to the Melissa George Fund and the neonatal intensive care unit. Just because there's the equipment that is needed for those babies it's so ridiculously expensive. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, like one of those beds costs $60,000. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, we are just trying to do a small bit to give back to them because they've made such a huge impact in our own lives. Wow, that's amazing. And so y'all have, y'all do a football game. Mm-hmm. Y'all do the golf tournament. Yes. And y'all are going to try to start doing a 5K. Yes. When is the next event y'all have? Um. So the 5K and the football game will both be this fall we have not determined those dates yet awesome you'll have um, to keep us updated we will we we try to do the uh, football game with a team who's kind of local so people who maybe know our story my old high school or his old mm-hmm. high school just because they know our story they know lauren they know how important it is to us right. and then they give us a lot of support behind it as well that's awesome and you, I mean, it's amazing just to see how much people do rally and want to support stuff like that when they hear about it. And I think that's another good reason to get the word out there and maybe not broadcast all the dirty details to everybody, right. <laughs> but still like just find your people and share it with them. And like right. from there, it will spread. Right. What can our listeners do to 
help y'all and support y'all. Okay. We have a Playing for Preemies Facebook page. Once you get on the Facebook page, there's a website where you can go on and donate. Mm-hmm. When we start selling shirts, um, we also sell like quarter sponsors for the football game. Mm-hmm. We do sponsorships for all of our events. So you can be like a legacy sponsor and, right. and support all the events. So any business owners, anybody like that who wants to be a part of it, we will gladly take the support. Their money goes straight back to the NICU. That's awesome. Um, so just any kind of support we can get is huge. Awesome. Well, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. And I hope that a lot of people can help y'all and join in. So what have you learned about God through all of your journey? Probably the biggest thing is God always provides. Mm -hmm. Whether it is people, I'm going to get emotional. Um, Whether it's through people or through situations, no matter what situation I walk through, God always had somebody in line to help me through it. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it was through the infertility, whether it's through the NICU, Um, Whether it was afterwards when we came home, there was always somebody that God placed in front of us to help us through that journey. And so God always provides our needs, maybe not always in our own timing Mm -hmm. um, and not when we want things done, but always in his time and he provides for us. What would you say to someone who's walking through either infertility or the NICU journey? So I know several people who are walking through the infertility journey right now and You know, when I was going through that infertility journey, that probably is what I would consider my closest walk with God I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, even though your spouse is there, they still don't understand exactly what you're going through. And so sometimes you feel like the only person you have to talk to is God. And so I think through that journey, it definitely grew my faith. And and I was the closest relationship I ever had with God was probably in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you completely surrender yourself because you have no control. There's no over other option. Yeah. And if you feel comfortable, I would like for you to pray for the women going through that right now. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And thank you for Heather and wanting to tell this story. And, and thank you for the story that you've given me, God. And thank you for the happy ending that I have, God, and that I do get to see your miracle every day in Lauren and, and just how you are growing her into a, a beautiful young lady who has a heart for you and a desire to do what is right. And I'm so thankful Um for having that gift in you and seeing that miracle every day. And God, I know that infertility journey is hard and I know several people who are walking through it, God, and my heart just hurts because I've been there and I know how painful it is. And I I pray God that you would just help them in this time, Lord, draw them closer to you and help them to lean completely on you, Father. And, and I just pray that during this time, God, they don't give up. They don't lose hope. They don't lose they don't lose their faith and that they would just trust in you and in your time and God. And, and in this time, as they're waiting, God, I pray, pray that you would place people in front of them, Father, who can help them in their journey, who can be a companion, who can be a help source to them, who can be a prayer partner, God. And I pray that in this time that you would help them as they patiently wait, God. And, and God, I do pray that you give them the desires of their heart, God, in your time and you give them the perfect gift from you, God and that you would just help them along this journey. God, I thank you for all you do for me. I thank you for loving me the way you do. And I thank you for sending your son to die for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I love hearing people's stories because you get to see God show up time and time again. God is so faithful to take care of his children. 
I feel like with each story we hear, we continue to see how God provides and how He gives us hope and peace and comfort through the toughest of situations. It would be easy to lose hope and be discouraged and to give up, but like it says in Romans 8, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purposes. If you're listening and you don't know God, let me tell you how you can know Him. It's through Jesus Christ. God created everything, the earth, stars, planets, animals, everything, and He made us in His own image, and He loves us. We were created to be in perfect relationship with God, but then sin entered the world and broke that relationship. God sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to fix that broken relationship. Jesus, being infinitely perfect, died on a cross to pay the price for our sins and to restore us. But it did not end there. Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and is alive today. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of God I want to give my life to. I don't know about you, but that is the kind of God that I want to give my life to. And you know what the best part is? You don't have to do anything. He did it all for you because He loves you and wants that relationship with you. You only have to believe that He is who He says He is and give Him your heart. Who wouldn't want a relationship with that kind of God? And when you believe in Him and let Him in, you have that same God who created everything and sacrificed His own Son because He loves you so much living inside of you. You have the source of love, peace, comfort and healing right there with you at all times and in all circumstances. So if you're listening and you feel in your heart that you want this relationship with God, you can pray something like this. God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm sinful and that I don't deserve that kind of love. Please forgive me for my sins. I know that I cannot save myself. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for my sin. Thank you for defeating death and rising to life again. I believe and I want you to be in my life and in my heart. I give you all that I am. I invite you in and I want to serve you for the rest of my life. In your mighty name I pray, amen. If that reflects what's in your heart, then welcome to the family. You've just taken the first step towards becoming who you were created to be. I want to encourage you to get connected with a local church wherever you are, because there's something powerful about a group of people worshiping and seeking God together. God made us for relationship with Him and relationship with others. You don't have to do life on your own. And for those of you walking through infertility, miscarriage, premature birth, or any other pregnancy-related issue, lean into God. He's big enough to handle anything and everything that we throw at Him. Learn to be honest with Him. It's okay. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be sad or hurt and mad. It's okay to tell God about it. That's what He wants us to do. He wants you to look to Him in the tough times and in the good times for that matter, because He loves you and He cares for you and He's in control. We may not understand His timing or His methods, but I promise that His will is better than anything we could ever do on our own. Give Him your heart and surrender to Him. Thank you for listening to Let's Go There. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you get all the new episodes as they're released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who has gone through or is currently going through infertility, miscarriage, and other pregnancy-related issues. I want to make sure that they all know that they're not alone. Your ratings and reviews will also help others find this podcast too. And I would love to hear from you. So rate and review away. 
I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to discuss infertility and other pregnancy-related issues. Have a great day.